Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of the Extra Frame podcast. What a week it was in sports this week. We have Lepizera here again today to talk about NBA Game 7 and between the Clippers and the Nuggets and what's been going on in the NHL. Also, obviously, we're going to be covering the NFL, which week one just kicked off. And wow, what a week it really was. And I don't think anyone's disappointed, except if your team started off 0-1. But besides that, I thought, I thought it was really well done considering the circumstances with everything that's been going on in terms of the the, the, the pandemic, you know, with COVID, only a certain amount of teams brought that fans in with so much, not really, I don't think it's controversy, but so much controversy with the way the players are handling the anthems and all that. A lot of people are saying, I'm not going to tune in and watch and just a bunch of everything that's been going on. And I thought it was fantastic. I thought the players all played really well considering there were no OTAs or, or really any um, regular training camps and preseason games and it was really well done, but I want to start off with the game of the week that everyone was looking forward to was the New Orleans Saints and the Timber Buccaneers, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, two of the top five of all time, Tom Brady probably being number one, Drew Brees being number three, four, or five, wherever you want to put him in that, and what a game that was, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know why people are surprised that New Orleans won. Like New Orleans is the better team than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it showed week one. And again, week one is week one. So every this is the biggest overreaction week there is in all of sports. Uh, you know, week one in the NFL to week one, everyone's like, well, they're not going to make the playoffs, or they're not, Tom Brady's washed, or whatever. Like, listen, at the end of the day, the Saints' secondary is phenomenal. Drew Brees and the offense couldn't really get going. And uh, Tom Brady, he did struggle. I'll say that much. He did have a couple of really bad reads, but... Uh, there probably should have been another interception. Had Demario Davis got his hands on the ball quicker, that would have been the third pick, and Brady just kind of threw it right to him. Uh, the pick six was definitely on Brady, and the Mike Evans kind of route where he was supposed to kind of run a, a post, but instead he cut it. Uh, Bruce Arians came out and said that that was on Brady, but then later, later, sorry, later, sort of said that it was actually on. Mike Evans, so we don't really know what's going on there, but he did call it Brady's determination, which was kind of interesting. Uh, we'll get more into the Buccaneers as, a, as in general later on in the show. Uh, the Saints, though, looked their defense looked phenomenal. Their offense was kind of off rhythm, and Sean Payne came out after the game and pretty much said that it was the worst game he's called offensively, or at least one of the worst games he's called offensively. So uh, the Saints go into Vegas for Week 2, and... Uh, they, if I was Vegas, I'd get ready. If I was the Saints, I'd get ready because Vegas also won. Las Vegas won uh, 34-30 over the uh, Carolina Panthers, which was a good game to watch. It was a it was a very interesting game, especially seeing Teddy Bridgewater playing for Carolina. That was amazing. Uh, he played very well. But uh, another team that really, really, su- not surprised me, but really impressed me was the Green Bay Packers this week. They just knocked knocked the tires right off of Minnesota. They completely took Minnesota to town, and, and really, the score does not indicate how close the game was. The score says, I believe the final score of the game was like 43-34, to 34, but really, that it was just garbage time points for Minnesota. It wasn't even close. It really, it, it really wasn't. Green Bay ran the show. Uh, Kirk Cousins looked lost out there. Aaron Rodgers looked like Aaron Rodgers from 2011. It was phenomenal. It was really, really phenomenal to watch. I thought the Packers looked like, in my opinion, week one, in terms of the way the teams looked in week one, the Packers were a top three team, top four team, easily. And then, let's get into this. If I were to tell you before week one, uh, the Washington football team and the Jacksonville Jaguars would be leading their division after one game, after week one, or at least Jacksonville's tied with Tennessee, but still. Everyone would say I'm crazy. I would say I'm crazy, too. Washington beat Philadelphia, and Jacksonville beat Indianapolis. They were both down, I believe, by double digits at one point. Well, Washington was down 17 nothing, and I believe Jacksonville was down 10 nothing. I think, or maybe like 14-3, to something like that. Uh, Gardner Minshew, fantastic day, uh, 19 for 23 touchdowns and, and, and the win. Washington's D-line, eight sacks. 
Eagles offensive line, we'll get into that a bit later, but what a uh, what a surprise those two teams were. I mean, Washington, really, Jacksonville had probably had a better chance to beat Indianapolis than Washington had beating Philadelphia, but regardless, what a week it was in the NFL. Just those are the three storylines that stood out to me the most. Uh, Cam Newton, phenomenal for New England. Un, un, I think he only threw like five incompletions, rushed for 75 yards, two touchdowns. Would have been, he would have put up 30, but... Nikhil Harry did fumble the ball out of the end zone. So I'm going to get into all this now into more into detail. So really, out of out of week one, uh, I thought I took out who struggled to me the most and who looked like they were already in midseason form, so to speak. And this is players and teams. So to me, the players who stood out for me in week one in terms of defense, I thought Carlton Davis from the Buccaneers played lights out against Michael Thomas, only holding him to three catches for 17 yards. Marshawn Lattimore uh, held Mike Evans to zero catches for the second consecutive year at home. Jair Alexander, I believe, was like the first player in, I think it's like 20 years or something, or longer than that, to have like a, a an interception, a sack, and a safety all in one game. Josh Jacobs, lights out. I thought he was phenomenal. I thought, obviously, I mean, three touchdowns. Josh Allen lit up the Jets. That doesn't say much, but Josh Allen played unreal. Kyler Murray, that's a guy who... I'm going to talk about Kyler Murray quickly. Before the season started, I remember all my all my friends were asking me, who are you going to pick in fantasy as your quarterback? And I was like, I'm going to go with Kyler Murray because he's going to break out this year. And when I got to my pick, actually, Kyler Murray was gone. So I went with Russell Wilson instead, which obviously kind of worked out. But Kyler Murray, don't be shocked if the Cardinals, by the end of the season, are fringe wild card, maybe even competing for that division because Kyler Murray is so good. Kyler Murray, to me, is a mix between Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. So I, the accuracy, the touch, the the ability, like the, the escapability, everything, he has all of it. He has the smarts. He has a maturity. It seemed like even last year with with Arizona, it seemed like they were never really out of the game with Kyler Murray. It seemed like he held them in the game and they got better this offseason and they they beat the San Francisco 49ers. So I thought Kyler Murray played outstanding. Another player that no one talks about ever, Jeffrey Simmons from the Tennessee Titans was unbelievable. He was so good. And if, if, if anyone remembers in the 2019 draft, uh, Jeffrey Simmons was actually labeled as a top 10, top 5 talent, but because of a leg injury, he ended up falling to the Titans in the 20s. And the Titans ended up scooping him up, and now he's looking like the top 5, top 10 talent. He was all over the field against Denver. He was all over the field against Denver. That guy was amazing. And they, they we also had a, had a good dosage of rookies um, playing very well. I thought Patrick Queen looked phenomenal for Baltimore. I thought C.J. Henderson did a fantastic job. He, on T.Y. Hilton, T.Y. Hilton struggled to catch the ball on him. And I thought Henderson was in position. He also got an interception. So that's that's phenomenal. As a rookie, your first game, interception, I mean, you and covering one of the better receivers in the NFL with T.Y. Hilton, I thought C.J. Henderson played very well. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire put on a show uh, in the season opener against the Houston Texans for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he... He looked like the Clyde Edwards-Alaire that was that played at LSU just what eight months ago. He was phenomenal. I thought Henry Ruggs looked good. I thought Jerry Judy looked phenomenal. Uh, he did have a couple of drops, so that's the concerning thing about Jerry Judy. He did drop a couple passes, a couple that he definitely caught at Alabama for sure. So once he gets that down, that could be just you know first game jitters, which I I think it is because once he gets that down. That he already showed he's going to be a problem in this league. And then Joe Burrow, although they lost that game-winning, well, that game-tying drive that was going to be a game-tying drive or a game-winning drive had A.J. Green not got that uh, OPI. I thought Joe Burrow looked phenomenal in his rookie debut. I thought he looked poised. He looked cool. He threw a very brutal interception, but that seemed to not phase him at all. And then the players have struggled. There were, again, it's week one, not overreacting, but... uh. I don't know if this is much of an overreaction. The Eagles' offensive line was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life when it comes to sports. That was that was embarrassing. They gave up eight sacks to Washington, who, yeah, their D, Washington's D-line is like all first-round picks. Deron Payne, um, Jonathan Allen, both first-round picks of Alabama. 
You got Chase Young, who is like the second overall pick out of Ohio State, who is supposed to be the next great NFL pass rusher. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan was a first-round pick out of Purdue. So, like, it's not surprising that they have a, a stacked and dominant defensive line, but eight sacks, that was embarrassing. And the Eagles, I think, I think the Eagles are a good team. And they got up 17 nothing, and then they just blew it. And the thing is with the Eagles is, I said before, it's that injuries are going to affect the Eagles. And, yeah, uh, Lane Johnson was out, and they put a rugby player at right tackle. And that resulted in eight sacks. That resulted in eight sacks. So they struggled. The Browns' whole wide receiving corps struggled. Uh, Odell Beckham seemed to just be invisible. Jarvis Landry only got open a couple of times. They couldn't catch a ball even when the ball was thrown to them. And Baker Mayfield looked like the Baker Mayfield of last year, which was wildly inconsistent and could not hit a target. He could not hit water from a boat, it seemed like. Even when he did it would just skip back up because the receivers couldn't catch a ball. And then Steven Gostkowski missed four kicks last night for the Tennessee Titans and then ended up being the hero by kicking the game-winning field goal. It was like a 21-yard chip shot. He made it, thankfully, because if he did not, then I don't even want to be... I wouldn't even imagine what it would be like to be him. But the kickers in general, they sucked this week. They were not very good. The kicking sucked in the NFL. I don't say that word often, but there were so many missed field goals. Uh, Cleveland, they just cut their kicker. They got Cody Parkey now. Uh, you know, Goskowski ended up missing four four field goals. I believe there was a missed kick in the Rams and Cowboys game. Uh, yeah, well, actually, yeah, Greg Zorline missed a, missed a kick in the Cowboys game. Like, the, the kicking was a... Uh, it was it was suspect this week, that's for sure. It it definitely definitely was suspect, and uh, you know. But again, it's week one. Let's not overreact here. Let's uh, let's see where I was right from last week. So last week on my podcast, I said that if Jimmy Garoppolo was asked to throw the ball over thirty times, I don't know if the 49ers win the game or win many games. So Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe, had thirty three or thirty four pass attempts, and they lost the game. I told you. I said I. I said it. I said Jimmy Garoppolo is a game manager. He's not a game changer. If you expect him to change the outcome of a game, he won't be he won't be able to do it. He's a really good quarterback. I'm not saying he's not. He's really good. Is he a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yes. It's not even a question. But I did say that if you ask him to, th- to throw the ball over 30 times a game, like if, like if you ask Mahomes to throw the ball 30 times a game, which they already do, the Chiefs have a better chance at winning the game. If you ask Drew Brees, you know, Aaron Rodgers, even Lamar Jackson, uh, Russell Wilson, to throw the ball over 30 times a game, they will, and they'll do it efficiently. And they'll get the win most of the time. Jimmy Garoppolo, no. I'm sorry. But it showed. It even showed that 49ers are a better team than the Cardinals. They had no business losing in that game. But Kyler Murray's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Hate to break it to you guys, but he really is. And I think that's why uh, the 49ers lost. Another surprising loss outside of the Jacksonville win, uh, outside of Indianapolis losing to a team that's trying to lose, and outside of Washington beating the Eagles. Another, I thought, surprising uh, game, at least to me, was the Bears game. And I'm not saying I'm surprised the Bears won, because I'm not. I'm surprised the Bears won in the fashion that they won. They were down, and then Trubisky, who at one point, I believe, was 8-for-20, as a stat line for like 101 yards, ended up throwing three touchdowns and then DeAndre Swift with the worst drop so far of the NFL season. A wide open end zone, could be the hero for Detroit week one as a rookie. Dropped it. That that hurts. That was that was a big time drop for the Detroit Lions, but let's be honest here, that's, that play in general is a Lions franchise in general. Somebody gets open, looks good, about to do it, and then blows it. The best thing about Detroit has retired in the prime both times. Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders. I feel so bad for Matthew Stafford. I feel so bad. Even when he is good, the rest of the team just does something to blow it for him. I got a feel for Matt Stafford there. I'll get into the other teams in a second, but that was another surprising game. The fact that Trubisky threw three touchdowns was just shocking, especially the way he started off. The first three quarters, it seemed like he forgot that he was, you know, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. 
So that's another game that kind of surprised me, just the way that the Bears were actually able to come back. I thought the Vegas and Panthers game was phenomenal. I've already said that. Like 34-30, both teams played very well. Both teams relatively played mistake-free football. There was that one big play to Robbie Anderson for 75 yards, I believe, uh, down the sideline. But there was it was a good game, and both teams looked like they got better over the offseason. Again, it's week one. And both teams have a, have a pretty big competition. I believe the Panthers play the Buccaneers in week two, and the Raiders play the Saints at home on Monday Night Football. So that would be really interesting to watch. And then, you know, the other games, the Cowboys and Rams game, that offensive pass interference uh, on Michael Gallup is a talk of the, really the talk of Sunday night because that was a phenomenal acting job by Jalen Ramsey. That was not offensive pass interference. I don't think it was. I thought Ramsey definitely over-exaggerated it, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the Cowboys, to me, were a team that I didn't have them in my top 10 because I thought to myself that, what have they done the past two seasons to to really, you know, sort of justify me putting my top 10? They're going to have the best offense. They have Zeke. They have CeeDee Lamb. They have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Blake Jarwin, offensive line, Dak Prescott. And we get the same result every time. Underachieving. Dak has a pretty good stat line on paper, but doesn't do anything in the game to actually elevate his team. Amari Cooper looked good. CeeDee Lamb looked okay. Michael Gallup looked good. Zeke looked phenomenal. Zeke looked phenomenal. Their offensive line is eh. It was it was pretty good. Aaron Donald threw them around a couple times, which Aaron Donald does in general. But the Cowboys, to me, look like a team that they were last year, a team that looks like they'll go eight and eight, nine and seven, be on the verge of the playoffs. Whether they get in or not, that's up to the other teams and their records, obviously. But the NFC East after week one looks like it's anyone's division because the fact that Washington leads it kind of proves that it's anyone's division. It's the weakest division in all of the NFC. Like, it's not even close. Like, in my opinion, the best division in the NFC is the NFC West. The second best division in the NFC is the South. The third is the North. And then the East is just way down there for, for last. So I wasn't really surprised to see the Cowboys lose. I was kind of surprised to see the fact, though, that uh, they were overhyped again because, yeah, you have all these weapons, but one football. There's one football for all those weapons, so I don't... I don't know. Blake Jarwin's out with a torn ACL. Now that hurts because it was supposed to be his breakout year. So not really surprised that the fact that like Cowboy fans and people are already giving up on the Cowboys after week one. It's so funny though because they always, and I, I hope Blake Jarwin heals and I hope he's back and does great because that's awful to see obviously. But with the Cowboys, it's like we see this every year. They get so hyped up. Everyone's talking about them being this dynamic offense with Zeke, with their weapons, with Dak. Dak's going to take that extra step this year. And it just doesn't happen. And even against the Rams, who have a pretty, like, okay secondary, they lock down the the, the Cowboys offense for the most part. And for some reason, Mike McCarthy should he really should have just used Zeke a bit more, in my opinion. Maybe give Pollard a bit more carries, but... I don't know. To me, the Cowboys just look like what they always look like. A mediocre team that's going to go 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. The Rams look good. I thought they looked really good. I think that their offense is going to take another step once Cooper Cup and and uh, Robert Woods looked really good. But once like Cooper Cup, Malcolm Brown looked good. And Jared Goff, step, step, up, a, step up a bit more. Yeah, I can see the Rams becoming a, a wild card team or maybe... They might compete for the division. Who knows? That that NFC West division is also a division where any team can win it, and I won't be surprised. I think I'd be shocked. I think I'd be the most surprised if if Arizona wins it. Uh, but if any of the three other teams were to win that division, I wouldn't be surprised at all. So we're going to end this segment off with my NFL top 10. So these are my top 10 teams in the NFL after week one. And I'm going to go through each team. And, and uh, if you agree... Great. If you disagree, well, we'll see. My honorable mentions are the Rams and the Cardinals. I have to see a bit more of both teams before I put them in my top 10. But let's get into my top 10. So at 10, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I know lost. But in my mind, their defense really showed that they're legitimate and that they will be a top 10 defense. The biggest concern about their defense was that secondary, and I thought they did a really good job 
against Michael Thomas, against Emmanuel Sanders, against Jared. Oh, well, they didn't do a terrific job against Jared Cook, but they did a very good job against those two receivers. So uh, once their offense starts getting a bit more chemistry and, and gets bit, built up a bit more, I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be a team to be reckoned with, a 10 11 maybe 12 i can't see them getting to 12 but 10 or 11 wins in a wild card spot so i have Tampa Bay at not uh, 10 and then at nine i have the 49ers so i know lost to the cardinals but let's be honest here down the stretch do you feel more confident with the 49ers or the cardinals i'm taking the 49ers once debo samuel returns off the ir once they figure everything out there in san francisco again i'm taking san francisco and i don't know if you guys remember this but the 49ers they started off hot last year obviously but they were struggling in some games against some lower-end competition. Uh, they almost lost to the the, uh, the Steelers without Ben Roethlisberger. So, you know, last year. So it's it, it's kind of it's kind of uh, kind of expected that the Niners would get out to a slow start this year. That's why I wasn't really confident in them in Week One against the Cardinals. But I still have them at number nine because they're still a fantastic team on paper. They can still run the ball. They still have a great offensive line. Once Debo Samuel returns, they'll still have a really good receiving core. So San Francisco at number nine. At number eight, I have the Tennessee Titans just because I feel like Tennessee, they played well last night. They missed out on, I believe, 10 extra points because of uh, Goskowski. But they looked good. Tannehill looked, Tannehill looked good. Uh, Corey Davis had a very good game. Derrick Henry looked like usual Derrick Henry. But then the one thing with Tennessee is how far can Ryan Tannehill really take you? Because I don't think Tannehill is an elite quarterback, but I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think he's an okay quarterback. So the rest of the team is going to have to really pick it up because if they're facing any other team than a young Denver Broncos team last night, like if they're facing any team that I have above them right now, I can't see them winning those games at all. In fact, even if they're facing the Rams last night, they might not win that game. So I have Tennessee at number at number uh, at number eight because I just feel like they're a really good team and they're probably going to win their division, but there's just something about Tennessee that I don't trust them when it comes to throwing the ball. I don't trust Ryan Tannehill throwing the football, and I don't think I'm in the wrong for that because what has he done to show that he can? Even in the playoffs, he barely threw the ball. So Tennessee at number eight. At number seven, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They looked they looked really good last night, and I'm not gonna say that they're Super Bowl contenders all of a sudden, but they if they build off of that win, they can be Super Bowl contenders. I thought Ben looked good. He looked co- he looked more comfortable once the game started going. Benny Snell looked phenomenal for them. Juju Smith Schuster looked like he returned to form. Uh, you know the Steelers' offensive line looked good for for an offensive line that people weren't too sure about, especially with DeCaster being out. Zach Banner ended up getting injured, so. That'd be interesting to see who they replace their right tackle with. I thought they looked good. Their defense looked phenomenal. Held Saquon Barkley to seven yards rushing. Uh, got two interceptions. None of them were from their secondary. Both of them from an edge rusher in TJ Watt and a defensive lineman in Cam Hayward. Uh, Bud Dupree looked virtually unblockable against the Giants. So I have Pittsburgh at number seven. I think that they can build themselves into being a Super Bowl contender, but until until they really, to me, establish a balance in their offense, like if they are committed to running the football, I think they're a Super Bowl contender because I think that's one thing they've been missing the past couple of seasons is that commitment to run the football. So Pittsburgh at number seven because of their defense and because of the fact that if they stay healthy, knock on wood, that they should be able to actually uh, compete for a trophy again. At number six, they have the Bills. I think the Bills rival the Steelers in terms of the best defense in the NFL. I really, really do. The Bills' defense is phenomenal. You know, the Jets put up some garbage points on them. Not really anything special. And Stephon Diggs makes a huge difference in that in that offense. It even showed. John Brown, Stephon Diggs, great receiving duo. Josh Allen looked phenomenal. Again, it's week one against the Jets, so I'm not going to go crazy on Josh Allen just yet. Uh, they got to run the ball a bit better, though, in my opinion, with Devin Singletary. I think that they need to get him more involved or try and get him more better looks because, to me, Devin Singletary is a player that, if he can get going and you can get that play-action rollout, especially with Diggs running that deep route or John Brown running that deep route, it's going to benefit the Bills a lot if that does happen. And I think the Bills could compete for Super Bowl this year because they are well-rounded and they are a very talented team with a very good coaching staff. 
At number five, the Seahawks. I didn't even have in my top 10 because I didn't like their defensive line or offensive line. I put them at five because Russell Wilson is a god, and he ended up completely, just completely demolishing the Atlanta Falcons, basically on his own. The Seahawks, to me, though, their offensive line is still suspect, and it looked really bad against the Falcons. So I'm wondering, with the team with a better defensive line than than the Falcons, say the Buccaneers, say the Saints, the Ravens, the Packers, I don't know. I don't know if the Seahawks can beat those teams because their offensive line can't really hold up. With that being said, Jamal Adams was, in my opinion, he was the best defensive player there was this this week. I thought he played he played every position. He played D-line. He played linebacker. He played safety. He played corner. He played every single assignment you could possibly play. And not only did he play it, he played it phenomenal. So right now that trade is looking pretty good. That trade is looking very good for the Seahawks because Jamal Adams was the best player on that field that not named Russell Wilson that game. And he was the best defensive player, in my opinion, of the entire week. In fact, I thought both the best defensive player and the best offensive player this week from the entire NFL both came from the same team. Because I think Russell Wilson was the best offensive player this week in the NFL. So congrats to the Seahawks. Great win against the, the Falcons. And, uh, and I have them in, at number five. At number four, I have the Green Bay Packers, who looked like the Green Bay Packers of old, but with a better defense. Aaron Rodgers, phenomenal game. Hit up Devontae Adams plenty of times. Aaron Jones got his touches. Alan Lazard looked very good. Valdez Scanley had a couple of drops, and that's kind of concerning. But the thing is with that is if he learns to catch the football consistently, they got their deep threat now. Good luck stopping that team. Good luck. I, I don't know the, the status on Kenny Clark just yet, but Kenny Clark, if they lose him, that's a big loss. But that secondary is good. Green Bay has a very solid roster, and Aaron Rodgers, if he can play even just 80% of that for the entire season, the Packers are going to win 13 games again this time, but actually look like a 13-win team instead of last year where it looked like they were 13-3, but everyone knew they are more of like a 9-7 and sort of talent. So I think the Packers are a great team. They can compete for a Super Bowl if they show up every week like they did against the Vikings. At number three, I have the New Orleans Saints. Their offense didn't look very good against the Buccaneers. Sean Payton, as I said earlier, came out and said that it was his worst game or one of his worst games he's ever called offensively. So with that being said, if their offense can, can get going, uh, Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins is a top three uh, cornerback duo. I think Marcus Williams is a great safety. Malcolm Jenkins, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, or C.D. Deuce, whatever he wants to call himself. Unbelievable. Their offensive line held up for the most part in pass protection. One sack. The one concerning thing with the Saints is they did they did give up 11 tackles for the loss against the Buccaneers. They got to clean that up. Like Sean Payne said, his worst game he's ever called offensively, so... The Saints are going to compete for a Super Bowl. That team is legitimate. The Ravens at number two. They just completely torched the Browns. The Browns didn't even... It was, it was over by halftime. The game was over by halftime. Lamar Jackson and, and company just completely, completely embarrassed Cleveland. And what else more can I say? You have Lamar. You have Mark Ingram. J.K. Dobbins got a couple of rushing touchdowns. Marquise Brown looked really good. Miles Boykin had a couple of good catches. Uh, Humphrey with an interception. Patrick Queen played a very good game. That that Ravens team is phenomenal. And again, I don't think they go undefeated like some other people think, but uh, they probably go 14-2, and 15-1. And, and then number one, Kansas City. They just won the Super Bowl. They came back and looked just as good, if not better. Uh, they got a better running back now, Clyde, Ed- Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, they won the game without really getting Tyreek Hill involved, which is scary for every other defense there is in the NFL. Mahomes took the checkdowns. He checked out of plays. Their defense looked good. That Sneed, that cornerback Sneed was unbelievable. He was phenomenal. And the Chiefs just look great. So those are my top 10 with the honorable mention of the Rams and Cardinals. I would put the Patriots as my honorable mention, but I just want to see them play a better team than the Miami Dolphins. So next up is the NBA Game 7 in the NHL with Alex Lepizera. All right, Lepi, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So Game 7, NBA. Yep. Uh, To be honest with you, I didn't expect this. 
I thought the Clippers were just going to take out the Nuggets. And when once they were up three one, I thought, all right, this series is kind of over. But it's Game Seven. Uh, who do you have tonight? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the underdog, Denver Nuggets. Uh, I believe you know they have that star power. Uh, just like the Clippers, you know, they have, you know, Jamal Murray, a Canadian, best Canadian player in the NBA. Not by far. It's not even close. But, uh, uh, you know, Nikolai Jokic came up big last game uh, for Denver. I mean, Jamal had 21, but uh, he came up big, almost had a triple-double. So, I mean, when you have Jokic, he, I mean, he can, he's a three-point shooter, too. He can shoot threes. He can do it all, really. I mean... Uh, it's going to be a good game, though, tonight. I mean, I feel it's going to be close. Uh, it's any team's game, really. But uh, in the end, I feel I my prediction, it's going to be Denver. Uh, it's going to be a close game, though. See, to me, it's, it's it's tough because it's hard to bet against Kawhi in Game 7. <laughs> I yeah. mean, uh, even off last year with, with his Game 7 heroics, with his defense and and I mean, I feel like the Clippers have a better team. Well, at least the Clippers have should have a better team than the Nuggets. But it's also hard to pick the team that gave up a three-one series lead to win. But just the way, and and I know that it's it's really it's a lot different. But if you look at the NBA playoffs so far, in the NHL playoffs so far, it seems like the team that gives up a three-one series lead still ends up winning the series because in game one, I mean, sorry, in round one, uh, Houston gave up a three-one series lead against the. Uh, the Thunder, and then they ended up winning in Game Seven. Even in the NHL, just in Round Two, if you remember, if you remember, uh, Vegas was up three-one against Vancouver. Then Game Seven happened there, and Vegas ended up winning. And then in the Eastern, uh, in terms of the East, the Islanders were up three-one against Philadelphia. Then they came back, but the Islanders still ended up winning. Now the NHL has nothing to do to do with the NBA, but for me, I I still think the Clippers end up winning this game. It's hard for me to bet against Kawhi, but I see what you're saying with the uh, with the Nuggets. It's just like I said, I think if, but I also with that being said, I think the Clippers need to give the ball to Ka- like I think Kawhi needs to take over tonight for the Clippers to win. Have, he has to have ball possession over fifty percent of the ball. I don't know. I wouldn't tonight, trust. Like, I don't. I don't trust Paul George very much. Yeah, but he, they both need to come up big tonight if they want to ma- make it on to the next. They both round. need to play like the players yeah. they are. Yeah, and if any of them take the night off, I don't see. It. I I honestly see Denver maybe winning yeah. this game. And you also need some bench players to show up big tonight. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., Lou Williams, they need to have some game, have a good game tonight for yeah. both sides there. No, Lou needs to score. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right, let's get to to the NHL now. So last night, the Dallas Stars are the first team to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, not going to say I saw this coming, but I'm not really surprised with the roster that they have. No, I'm not surprised you. either. I mean... Also, you have a backup goalie playing for them that's just absolutely playing lights out, which is honestly it's amazing to see. I mean, I love seeing that kind of stuff. Uh, he's been he's been their backbone since he's took over the starting since job. Since the qualifiers, since, really, yeah, yeah, since the qualifiers, really, when he took over the starting job. Um, yeah, and everything's kind of just fallen into place for them. I mean, Mara Hiskinen is arguably uh, the Conn Smythe candidate. I mean. We probably all know Anton Kudobin is the front runner yeah, for that say, right now for Dallas, the but Miro Heskinen's having himself a playoff. He's been their best skater, as I mean, not including uh, Kudobin, but he's definitely been probably their best skater out there. Well, I think I think you can say he's been their most consistent skater because in the in the Colorado series, the games were like five four, yeah. you know, seven five, whatever it was. Uh, Kudobin was phenomenal against Vegas, and really to me, uh, I thought Dallas. To, like I think Dallas and Vegas were built pretty similarly, a uh, pretty similar story, and I really thought though with with Dallas, I think the thing that impressed me the most about Dallas is it seems like whatever line is out there for Dallas, they don't really have They're a drop effective, off. Yeah, yeah, they don't have a drop off. All four lines have been effective. It's same. I mean, we'll get into the Tampa Bay in a bit, but uh, all four lines have been just completely consistent. Defensemen, everything. Essa Lindell is just an absolute stud back there for them. Defensive. A great defensive yeah, defense. Great oh, defensive. Phenomenal. Um, everybody. Klingberg. I mean, I f- thing I find with Klingberg is that he always gets shots right through to the net every single time. He yeah, just they never makes that little like first step. Effective, but then they ended up. They, they always end up either getting tap, post. As some sort of chaos happens. From yeah. The, if you yeah. see, if you go back and look at a bunch of the goals that come from that series, it's Klingberg getting shots yeah. to the net, either rebound or somebody finds a way to deflect that, deflect it. But I mean, they uh, they uh, do have a legitimate chance here. I mean, I feel 
I feel that they can win this if it's even if it's Tampa Bay. I mean, I know Tampa's a powerhouse. They're probably the favorite if they do go to the Cup final, but mm-hmm. uh, I I still see Dallas. They can pull it out here. I mean, Kudobin if he's consistently playing like this. I mean, I don't see a reason why he's not going to be playing this consistent in the Stanley Cup finals. Mm-hmm. But well, with with that, with, you know, bringing up Tampa, uh, they're up three one in the series right now. Really. I think the series would be over had Braden Point been in for Game Three. I believe he was out. Yeah, it was. It was Game Three. He was out for. The, when we talk about you know the best lines in the NHL, typically it's like the Bergeron lines mentioned, uh, the uh, the McKinnon Landis Cog Rantanen line is mentioned. David Uh Yeah, McDavid. Has there been a better line than the Palat Kucherov and Braden Point line? Depth, not a not. At least no. in this playoffs, like I don't not think there's no like. It looks like clockwork and. It, it seems like they're all three of them are on the goals. Like you, uh, even in game uh, game four, game four, right? It was like tic tac toe, beautiful like two, goals, like two, two tic tac toe, yeah. tac toe. No, goals. they uh, they definitely they definitely have found it, and it's scary to watch because, I mean, they could easily win their team a game. This is without Stamkos, without doubt. Yeah, without Steve Stamkos. The, that's why, in my opinion, the Lightning are the best team in the NHL, and my, the Lightning are. If it is, if it does end up being Tampa Bay and Dallas, which it more most likely will be Tampa Bay versus Dallas, I think if both teams play their best games, I can't see Tampa Bay lose. Even no. their depth, like when Blake Coleman's like your third liner and he's putting up these goals, how Everybody, are you? How Yanni do you Gord, beat that? Yanni Gord's having a good playoff yeah, too. Exactly. How Mark do you Goudreau's beat that? having a great playoffs. Like they're just they're so they they have so much depth. I, on all four lines and it's like Dallas kind of do you see Dallas they're spreading their lines out they have Sagan on one line Ben on the other Pavelski on another line right or Radulov sorry Rupe Hintz Radic Faxa like the, yeah, yeah, yeah they just spread their lines out right Gary and that, you players. see how effective that is right yeah it's uh, it, this has been uh, for all things considered this has been a pretty fun playoffs to watch exactly well, it's yeah. been very good hockey I mean the, it doesn't look like they've lost a step at all and I'm excited to watch Stanley Cup well finals. in my opinion right but it, I thought that the first round like the the qualifiers to me were still it was really sloppy a lot of penalties everything like that but once the team started to get going and all that it kind of to me now it seems like alright these teams are up to pace they're playing how they would usually play uh, Dallas to me is a team that too is against Colorado, even against Vegas last night. Uh, they seem to score even against Calgary because they were about to go down three one in the series, and then Pavelski scores, and then the new guy, the Finnish guy, uh, new, I can't Nudevarana is that his name? Nudevarana. He scores a hat trick in in game seven no, against Caravanta. Caravanta, sorry, that's who it is. Caravanta yeah. scores a hat trick. In game seven, and then scores the game tying goal. It seems like the Dallas is the team that, and then even in the qualifiers against St. Louis, do you remember that they were down? And then the, and sorry, not the qualifiers, but the round robin against St. Louis, they were down and they scored like minutes left to go to force a shooter that they ended up winning to get the Thursday. No matter what it is, it seems like with two, three, two minutes left. They yeah. They just find a Vegas, way to score a Vegas, goal. They just need Vegas had to find a way to close it out. Like you have you have to gear down in those last ten minutes of the third period and find a way to close it out because that's a, that's a must win game for them and like they didn't they didn't get it done. But so. to me, that just shows the fact that Dallas is never out of the never game. Never quit. Yeah, they, never they, out. Yeah. They're a team they showed it all playoffs. No matter what they do, they're gonna be in the game. And uh, I want to ask you this though, so. My original prediction for the Stanley Cup Finals was Tampa Bay and Colorado. Obviously, Dallas is the team that knocked out Colorado. Do you think if Colorado would to beat Dallas, do you think that they would have beat Vegas this round, or do you think Vegas would have taken out Colorado? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah. I feel Colorado is a better team. I think color. I thought Colorado was the best team. In, I still think they're the best team in the West. I mean, they just ran into a wall. They they're, just ran into a brick wall. Well, that and they did have a lot of injuries. And the one thing about Colorado that and uh, uh, Badnar, their coach, came out and said it. And I, this is the only thing I disagree with him on. Colorado's goaltending is kind of suspect. I don't think Grubauer is yeah, a, a goalie that can lead you to the cup finals. And uh, Francois, I don't think he can lead you. And then Michael Hutchinson was our goalie for the last, like, three games. So, um, But no, I think Tampa – do you think Tampa closes the series out tonight? Or do you – like, the time the recording is, is Tuesday. Uh, do you think they close it out tonight? Or do you think this goes to a, a sixth game? I think this is gonna go six games. I I I could see Tampa closing it out tonight. I mean, I don't know anything could happen, right? But 
Uh, I think I, I don't think the Islanders are gonna go out down with without like at least somewhat of a fight. I mean, they, they've been doing it all. They've been like unbelievable all playoffs. Like the New York Islanders, they've been they've been going all playoffs. So I don't see why they're not gonna be going and uh, trying to force a game six tonight because like this is their season tonight, right? So. Uh, they just need to find a spark, and they need to get that first goal. They need the first yeah. goal is big. Yeah, tonight. So let's get into uh, um, some more NHL news. So the NHL came out recently and gave everyone the dates for the draft uh, and free agency and all well, the signing period. Uh, first round starts October sixth for the NHL draft, and then rounds two to seven are the next day on the seventh. Then the signing period starts at twelve p.m. Eastern on October 9th. So. We've made we both made up a mock draft here of who we think are going top ten, and I'm looking at yours right now. I'm looking at mine. So we we both agree on who's going to be the first three picks. We both have uh, Lafreniere going to uh, the Rangers at first. We both have Byfield to the Kings at second. Ottawa taking Stutzel at Stutzel at third. So you have I have Detroit taking Perfetti. You have them taking Marco Rossi. Is there something that you like about Rossi more than Perfetti, or is it just sort of you can, or is it just sort of uh, pick your poison in a way. Well, I mean, 123 points he had this year. So I mean, he he had he had a decent season. MVP of the OHL, he won. Um, I mean, he, clearly Ottawa's best player this year. Um, putting up a bunch of numbers. Uh, I I just yeah he he had 123 points. What can I say? I mean, uh. He's a great hockey player. I saw. I went to. Um, I went to a Generals game this year, and um, I saw them play the Sixty Sevens, and uh, he had five points. And I, I noticed him every single time he was Quick, out on the uh, ice. Quickly right on that, actually, I, I, I actually didn't know that, but yeah, um, Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn, another how, great. How, hockey how did player. he look? He's a great game. hockey yeah. player too. He can really shoot the puck. He's gonna be a high first round pick there. This yeah, year I think too. he goes mid first round. He'll, yeah, he'll yeah. be left out. Of, I I feel he'll be left out of the top ten, but he goes I, in that 12, the, 13 yeah, range yeah, for sure. In between ten and twenty, or in between eleven and twenty, I definitely think you'll see Jack Quinn fall into there. Really good hockey sense, great shot. I mean, he had fifty goals this year, over fifty goals. So, um, I mean, yeah, I have Rossi at fourth, but you know, it could go either way. It could go any way, to be honest. But. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a really good hockey player. He's gonna go high, and there's a bright future for that kid. Uh, we both have I have Anna, so I have Anaheim taking Rossi. You have Anaheim taking. We both pretty much have the same players going in the top ten, except I have Lundell to Winnipeg. You have Sanderson. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about quickly uh, Minnesota taking Askarov because that is a name that's gonna be thrown out there a lot. Because let's be honest here for a sec. Goal, on a goalie in the first round. Goaltenders yeah. don't go first round yeah, usually, no. and it's it's a risk to it's take a, a goal yeah, in the first round. You definitely are betting on yourself there. But I think Minnesota needs to take a risk because yeah. their best goalie has been Nicholas Backstrom, who's a good who was a good goalie, but I don't think he was elite by any. But like he wasn't the top five, top ten. No. And the last goalie to be taken in the top ten of the draft was was Carey Price, and that worked out for Montreal. And if you remember this. When Montreal took Price, they had at that point they had Cristobal Huey, they had Jose Theodore, they just signed Yaroslav Halak, and they had a they had Jan Denis who was supposed to be a good goalie. But when so when they drafted Price, uh, I don't know if you've seen the video, or if you've seen the commentary, but Pierre Maguire starts just ripping them apart because he's saying, "Why are they drafting a goalie? They don't need a goalie." And we see how that works out. I think the same thing be with Ashraf with Minnesota. Like you don't need to ask him to come in and start like you know game one for you guys next season but i think you give him a year to, to develop bring him in as a 20 year old because alex Stalock is not the answer no and minnesota's a team that uh they just signed brodeen to a six by uh, a six year uh, sorry a seven year six million dollar deal uh six million dollar annual deal so 42 million dollars altogether they have the ninth overall pick they just traded for nick bukestad to become a second line center i i assume so i don't think they're gonna go center this draft and they're a team. It's, they're it's, a team to me that they need a goalie. They haven't like Dubnik was a good goalie too, but he was just wildly inconsistent. No pun intended. It's definitely. It's probably. I'd like. Like I said, like we both have him on our list. There, same pick to Minnesota. It's nine, probably. Yeah. I'd say it's their best. Their best bet to go for him. Like you said, Alex Daylock is definitely not the answer. No. Definitely not. Um, 
Yeah, Devin Dubnik, I don't know what's what's up with him anymore. Uh, it's Even if it takes two, three years, which it should, for him to get up to his game and possibly uh, yeah, well, a starter, even, right? Like, you look at Carter Hart, right? Like, he's, I 20, think he's... What, 22 now? 22, yeah. yeah. So, we'll say Astrob comes in at 21, 22 years old. There's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. And, uh, but I also want to ask you, is there anyone in the top, that uh, you have in the top 10 that you think, like, obviously, Lafreniere is going to be in the show come, you know, next year. Uh, Byfield, same thing. This is thing. a very high-skilled draft. Stutzel. Do you think, is, is there anyone else here that you have between uh, Rossi, Drysdale, Raymond, Holtz? Perf- but by the way, your mock draft is, is really good. You have Rossi going to, D- to Detroit. You have Drysdale to Ottawa. Me and you both agree Drysdale to Ottawa. Yeah. You have Anaheim taking Raymond, New Jersey taking Holtz, uh, Buffalo taking Perfetti, Askarov going to Minnesota, and Sanderson. Do you do you think outside the top three, any of them play come game one or like come next year, or do you think they all need a year still of seasoning? I don't see I don't see anybody out of the top three. I don't no I don't see anybody out of the top three. Possibly maybe getting their seven eight games in next year, not playing their yeah. their yeah. their nine or ten. It also depends on how. You know how long the season is, and if it's a forty-eight game season, yeah. it's a eighty-two game season, definitely. Right? And it, I mean, that might be good for them too, right? Exactly. Even if they have a shortened season, then like there's kind of less pressure off of them. I'd say maybe maybe a little less pressure off them, but uh, yeah. If anything, I I think Marco Rossi he could probably get a couple games in next year. If it it's it all depends on what the team needs too, right? I mean, training camp too, uh, maybe. Maybe a minor league, like to start in the minor league, would be yeah more ideal. Which it probably is ideal for half those guys in that in the first in that top ten. But I'd say this is probably the most. This is the strongest draft since the McDavid well. In draft. my opinion, right is when a team drafts a player outside of well, we'll we won't count the first two overall picks. Okay, typically the team's bad. Like if you're drafting the top ten, you probably didn't have a great season. So you don't want to rush these players, right? Except if you're the New York Rangers. Well, that's what I was going <laughs> to say, though. The Rangers were a team that were on the cusp of the playoffs on this yeah. come-up, and now they got the best player to enter a draft since... McDavid. Eh. Since Matthews, I'm going to say. Sorry. Since sorry, Austin yeah. Matthews. So, like, to me, it's like, okay, the Rangers obviously left Renier. Byfield, to me, is a, is an obvious NHLer because he's got, he's got the size. Yeah. So, like, he has to put on muscle or anything. Uh, Stutz already has already played professional hockey and has already looked great in there. Yeah. The other guys to me, the only one, the only other guy I could possibly see, maybe, is Lucas Raymond. And if he goes, you have him going to to Anaheim at at, at six. I have him going to New Jersey at seven. So he's a sixth, seventh overall pick. I heard that Detroit actually, sorry, the Ottawa actually has a, has a lot of interest in him. I think he's the only other one I can see because I, I I think Holtz needs a year. Uh, obviously, Askarov, the goaltender. If you bring in a goaltender at eighteen, you're just you're just asking for a disaster at that point. So. No, I, I think I think I agree with you for the most part on that one. And then going into the signing period, here's what I want to ask you. So, I wrote down in in terms of each position, uh, each positions. I have the top free agents. So Taylor Hall, Alex Petriangelo, Tori Krug, Brayden Holpe, Matt Murray. Okay. Uh, do you think these guys are, have all new teams next year, or do you think out of okay out of those five, out of the five I mentioned, Petriangelo, Hall, Krug, Holpe, and Matt Murray? Okay. Yeah. Which one of those is more most likely to, to stay? I mean, Hope is gone. Actually, they're, uh, the Brian McClellan, their GM, just completely came out and said today that he doesn't expect Hope to be back. Matt Murray's in trade talks, so I don't, yeah. I don't think they're back. Yeah, no, definitely between do Hall. Think, and do you think Petriangelo, Hall, or Krug? Do you think any of them are back with their teams that they were with this year, or do you think they're all gone? I don't know if any of them will be back, but I've, but the one that I feel would be. The one to stay would be Petrangelo. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, he just came off winning a cup there. They He's still got. I think they still got to free up some more cap in order to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I want to say though to you is, and the one thing I want to ask you is, a lot of players entering the market this year. Like, I think Hoffman's a free agent as well. Uh, I think one of the realities that they're going to have to face is they can't ask for a ridiculous amount of money because they, uh, because of the flat cap, a lot of these players are going to have to take money that seems a bit low. Like, we'll say that if Hall originally was going to ask for nine and a half, nine million, a team won't probably want to go over, we'll say, eight for him or eight and a half, right? Where, and like, you know, Krug at 
before the pandemic hit, he looked like Boston's best defenseman. Yeah. Uh, he he, he did struggle a bit in the playoffs. Uh, I wouldn't really take that with no. I wouldn't count. Count, I wouldn't count him out as no. their best defenseman either. So I, I think if right if he too. leaves, you know, you have a you have an offensive defenseman right in the middle of his prime. He might be asking for we'll say like eight and a half mil, nine mil. A team might only want to give him seven or seven and a half. So the reality is that they're gonna to have to probably ask for a bit less money because of the flat cap situation. Because we don't know when the cap is gonna go up again. Yeah. Like, what would you, what would you give a guy like, just what would you give a guy like Taylor Hall, who's a who's a player that has a heart trophy. He's never scored forty goals in his career. He's scored thirty nine in his heart. I mean, I know it's only one goal away, but he's technically not a forty goal scorer. Has a heart trophy, which is the which is the one thing he can say. But yeah, what was a ninety three point season? It was a ninety three point season, 93. and they ended up making the playoffs. They got knocked out first round, by but Tampa. I mean, but but still, like the fact that that team was so weak on paper that they should have never been in that yeah. position in the first place. Would you would you give Taylor Hall over nine? Because I think that's what he's asking for, from the sounds of it. Uh, counting if you, he has a hard trophy. I mean, yeah. he does. Which what, what was that? Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Twenty eighteen. He yeah, had that, a hard yeah, trophy. Which realistically wasn't. It's two seasons ago, right? So, I mean, he didn't. He didn't really stand out for me that much in the playoffs this year or at all during the season. To be honest, I mean, I was. I think he was injured for a little bit though. He was, but the one thing about the 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 season to me that. Is it seemed like when the Coyotes got, and I'm not saying it's his fault because it's not, but when the Coyotes got him, they were like, I believe they were in the top five of, of the conference. They, they were, they had a divisional spot on lockdown, and then he came in, and so I don't think he stays with Arizona personally because I mean they were a disaster towards the end of the season before the yeah. pandemic struck, and then even the playoffs they were completely outclassed by the Colorado Avalanche. And then to top that off, they were they got faced uh, with discipline because they were talking to players and they were 14 years old, which you're not allowed to do. So they lost their second round pick from this year, not yeah. their first because they traded away their first in New Jersey. And then they lost their first round pick from next year. So they're already kind of in this hell. And if you're Taylor Hall, you want to win now. Arizona doesn't look like a team that's built to win at all. So I think he's gone. And I think a team, honestly, I think a team like I've heard Colorado, I've heard Montreal being thrown out there, um, are willing, there are teams that can play with a cap a bit right now because they have so much of it. Yeah. Would you, like, it's just a question of, he's not, he's technically not a Florida goal scorer, but do you give him that money? Because the problem too is, you look at other players' contracts, even from last year, right? Duchesne got eight and a half. He's better than Duchesne. Yeah. So you kind of have to give him that money if he yeah. asks for it. I mean, yeah, Willie has the same with Willie, six point nine. I'd, I'd probably, I'd say Taylor Hall's a better player than William Nylander too. I mean, he didn't. Well, have I think that. William Nylander's a better player than Matt Duchesne. And, yeah, and, he didn't have a better year. But if you're talking about that, right? If you're talking about like certain players, like Pasternak's only making like that much. I think he's making like six point seven. Yeah, he or took something. a pay cut though. Yeah, and I, but Braden Point's only making that much money, so it's sort of that. Whatever I think, if Hall wants to go to a team that is we're ready to win right now, he's gonna have to take a lot less money than what he yeah. really wants. But if he wants that money, I honestly think his best best to go to Montreal. Even because if I don't think he, yeah, he's not gonna use. I don't know if he'll use his Harry Trophy as like kind of bait to get him. More oh, he money. definitely will. He yeah. definitely will. I would. <laughs> like seriously, if if you came off a season where you weren't exactly that phenomenal, we'll say. But you're like, hey, I won the MVP two years ago. It's like, oh damn, he's got a point. Yeah. Especially, so, like, yeah, I kind of put it in their head that, like, they know that he could be a very dangerous player. But I could see him I could see him getting upwards of 9 mil. I mean, 8.5. But, I mean, like you said, with the cap, he might you might have to take take some a pay cut, right? Yeah. I mean, well, also wanted to ask you uh, ask you this one. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a Leafs fan, you are. So... Sadly. <laughs> As a Leaf fan, as as the Leafs fan that you are, a lot of talk has been out there that Frederick Anderson is not going to be back, or they going to get traded, and all or something. Regardless, we don't really know what's going to go on there. But out of the goalies that you've heard on the market, okay, so out of the goalies that you've heard that are probably not going to be with their teams, you know, Brain Holtby, that's who you'd want the Leafs to pick up is Markstrom. 100%. Do you think the the Canucks resign Markstrom, or do you think they ride out with Demko now because they they have to ride out with Demko? I, I, I honestly I, I agree with that. I, I like, do agree with he's, that. He's what is he? Twenty four. 
Yeah, 20, he's, yeah, he's 24. 24? Yeah. What's Markstrom's 29? Markstrom's 30, 30 now. 30. Yeah, 30 years old. So he has four good seasons left, five, maybe five. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. And yeah, no, you, it's not, it's like everybody's putting, like I see it all over TV, but now it's like, no, like it's, it's like clear cut choice who they're keep, they, who they need to keep. Like yeah. you're not, you're not going to keep a goalie for five years, sign them, sign them long term and have your backup be a starter that he's, he's, he's proven himself. I mean, enough, I feel. Uh, he's their future. He's their goalie of the future. Markstrom's gonna be gone. I like he should be gone. Well, he is a UFA. Both. Yeah, you so, can't keep both. And you know, if you're Toronto, we'll say I. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I think out of all the goalies, Hopi, Murray, Markstrom, Markstrom has been the best goalie out of the ones that are available. Freddie, Freddie's twenty nine or twenty eight. Twenty eight or twenty nine. But again, and I hate to bring this up all the time. Frederick Anderson's a really good goalie, but my God, if you need to trust him to win that game seven or that game five, whatever game you're in, he's not going to win it. It's yeah. it's been proven. Even in Anaheim, you didn't do it, man. So uh, you'd want you want you'd want Markstrom as a Leafs fan. So okay, yeah, no, no, that would that would make sense. I just it's kind of exciting now. You're you're kind of just on your feet because because of the dates announced, October sixth is when the first round starts. The ninth is when the free agency signing period starts. Teams are teams are gonna have to make moves quick now. Yeah, they got less than a month for this stuff, so it's it's definitely gonna be exciting. Um, for yeah, sure, I feel like a, a lot a lot of things will be coming up with it soon. So very soon. Hopefully. I just wanna I I just wanna get your prediction here quickly. So uh, going back to Tampa and Dallas, if that if that does happen, you said you you like Dallas. How many games do you think? If if it's Tampa Bay versus Dallas, who wins? If I have to say, if you have to put I'm money just on, throwing it. it out here. If I put a money on it, I got Tampa. Tampa in six. Oh yeah, okay, you're right with me on that because that's exactly. I have Tampa in six. That's it. Both teams played their best hockey. I have you. I see you wrote down here. Uh, Tampa Bay up three uh, one. Cooper, great coach. Players players are love playing for him. I agree with that. Did you? I guess you definitely saw that reaction he had when Kucherov scored like nine yeah. seconds left. Yeah, uh, star power coming up big, of course. I mean, everyone on their team are stars. Uh, even Sargachev is playing really well yeah. now. Vass being uh, so see, th- so I saw this and I thought you brought up a great point here with Vass being Vass. <laughs> like, listen, Kadobin is great, but if they were to both play their best games, Vass Leslie versus Kadobin, I'm taking. And again, you know, if you really look at it, right, Kadobin or Michael Hutchinson, you're taking Kadobin. Even Kadobin over, I would honestly take Kadobin over Philip Grubauer. Yeah, that's so I take. Yeah, I'd so I you know so Kadobin over those two. I'm taking the, I'm taking those two. Robin Leonard's a very good goalie, and I'd honestly during a regular season I'd take Leonard over Kadobin, but it's I don't think it's that far of a drop off. But with Vasilevsky, I just think like my God, I, yeah. I I love Kadobin. He's a great guy. He seems like a great guy to play with. Yeah, I don't think he can outperform Vasilevsky if they both play their game. Yeah, if they both play their game, it's a clear cut who's gonna be the better goalie in the game. I love watching Vasilevsky play. He's just like he's. I don't know how he does it. His reflexes are unbelievable. His his athleticism is second to none. It's ridiculous. Do you think that, you know, the way, we'll say the the playoffs continue to go the way they are and Tampa ends up winning it. Who is your, who's your Con Smith winner for them? Is it Brayden Point? It's Brayden Point? Yeah. I agree. Without a question. The one game he was out, they lost. Yeah. (laughs) That's, it's, it's. It's not really up for debate. For I mean, it camp. is. You can say Vasilevsky. You could, but it's. I think everybody else. I think everybody knows that Braden Point is the front runner for Tampa, at least. I mean, if it's Dallas, then Kudovin's going to get it 100%. Uh, maybe his, Jamie Ben. Maybe, maybe or, Jamie, or his Jamie or Ben his is really. I'm very impressed with Jamie Ben, actually, yeah. in, this, in, in that last series, in the conference finals there. He really stepped up for his team and, like, actually. Prove that like he wants he he wants it bad. So I'm I I'm I'm rooting for Dallas. I I I want Dallas to win. You see, I me, I still think Tampa's gonna win. I mean Tampa's but they've it's been a long time coming for Tampa too. I mean well, the loss in the Cup Finals. Say, man. Part of me is like I I I like honestly I like both teams. I have nothing against both it's, teams. Yeah. Uh, the good players. Uh, good. I like their I like both their coaches. I love John Cooper. I like their goalies. Everything. But to me, it's just. That heart, like not even that, that, that embarrassment that Tampa Bay suffered last year with that sweep to Columbus. Yeah. They have, a, yeah, they have a point to prove. Here. Yeah, you definitely know that they're going. Like, you, 
I still think that every day that kind of rings in their head, and I don't know. I don't. I just don't see a team beating Tampa. Well, I mean, when he wins sixty-two games in a season and then gets swept four straight, uh, it's not gonna. The taste in your mouth isn't gonna get any better after. When you get swept four straight, <laughs> but you were up three nothing in game one, too. like that. That was just insane. Yeah, we're not gonna, that was a joke. We're not gonna talk about that too much. Yeah. But, no. <laughs> um, no, I, I I I see here. I, I agree. I agree with your mock draft. Like, I don't disagree with with any of your picks. The only thing that I'm sort of uh, uh, skeptical about Perfetti is Perfetti to Buffalo. Is Perfetti to Buffalo, and the only reason I say that is because I mean it depends what the draft him as. If they draft him as a center, now you have Eichel, you have Dylan Cousins coming up. Uh, I think Casey Middlestad has done nothing to show that he's an elite player. Like really, he's, no, he's done nothing. He's done absolutely nothing. So I think, but Perfetti is that player who can also play the wing. So yeah, I wouldn't be, I, yeah, he's, yeah, but he, yeah, he's a, he's both. He's a center and winger, right? So. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do. If he falls to Buffalo, that's a great pick. Yeah. Like like you said, man, this draft is so deep that players that get picked in like the mid first and like last year's draft would go in like the top ten. Yeah. Easily. But uh, anyways, thank you, thank you for coming out again, and yeah, no. uh, uh, ho- hope to have you next week again. <laughs> yeah, no, you'll see me here. Uh, and uh, every, every single week now, buddy. And uh, thank you for tuning in, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, have a great day.